the jobs are there and there's always encouragement there and advice to be sought. If you see a role and you think, I might be interested, there's no harm in applying. And if you're successful and it takes a year, by that point, you might be ready for the role or you might have decided actually it's really not for me. Mm -hmm. It's always better to apply and then be able to withdraw than to regret not putting your papers in. If you're a police officer or currently working in law enforcement and you're considering your career, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Andy Lowbrun. Welcome to the Blue Light Leavers Hello, podcast. and welcome to episode 35 of the Blue Light Leavers podcast. So today I'm talking to Louise. Louise is the operations manager for UK Missing Persons with the National Crime Agency. Now, she's a former uniformed PC that left policing to join the serious organised crime agency that then became the National Crime Agency. Now, in this interview, she talks us through uh, why she wanted to leave policing. She also talks us through the whole application process then and now. She talks us through how to map your skills and experience across from policing into the NCA and the interview process. She talks us through the paying conditions and pros and cons of working for the NCA. And she also talks about the fantastic opportunities that the NCA have, both for those leaving on mid-service and also for those leaving on retirement. If the NCA is something that interests you, this is a fantastic interview. Let's go over to Louise now. Hi, Louise. So thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed on the Blue Light Leavers podcast. Really kind of you. And um, you were sort of stitched up by your other half a little bit, weren't you, to to do this? Yes, very much so. (laughs) But I appreciate it very much. So thank you for that. Um, Could you give us a little introduction into, into who you are and what you're currently doing, please? Yep. So, uh, as you said, my name is Louise. Um, I am currently uh, an operations manager for the NCA and I manage and lead the UK Missing Persons Unit. And um, what was it that you were doing prior to joining the NCA? So prior to the NCA, um, I was a police officer, uh, just your run-of-the-mill PC. So not quite run of the mill, but um, what uh, what were you doing? And, and talk us through a little bit of your um, career history, so people get a bit more of an idea on your background, and and then we'll talk about um, you know why you decided to move across into into mm-hmm. um, into soccer as was. Yeah. Um, so um, whilst in the police, um, spent the majority of my time in uniform policing, and absolutely loved it, um, but always. I've always been very much victim focused and felt certainly in a uniform role that you just don't get the time with victims that you you would like. Um, I did attachments with uh, various teams, which have probably all changed names now, but you know, the child abuse investigation team, domestic abuse investigation, all those sorts of things. I really enjoyed that side of it um, and wanted to go into CID and was effectively told by my chief inspector at the time. This would have been 2007, 2008, so financial crisis time. Mm-hmm. There'd be no chance of me going to CID. They wouldn't support it. Um, and the closest I got was being told I could go to a burglary squad, which really didn't float my boat. Um, and pure luck, uh, I think it was my dad, actually, he said to me, more soccer advertising, why don't you just have a look and see what you fancy? So I did, and they were advertising for... Um, operations officer um, and thought I would just throw my hat in the bag so sort of flew an application in and, and hoped for the best 
um, yeah, and uh, got in and started off my career in soccer in operations. We'll go through that in a bit more detail because there's some really interesting stuff there as well. So, um, so obviously, we, for people who might not know what we're talking about, uh, soccer and NCA. So, what what was soccer? Um, so, soccer was a serious organised crime agency, which was an amalgamation of um, uh, customs, borders, um, crime squad all that sort of stuff got sort of mashed together into soccer. And then, um, uh, gosh, I can't even think how long it was ago now, maybe four or five years ago, it was rebranded and repackaged to the National Crime Agency. Okay. And what's their remit, the National Crime Agency? What do they do? Gosh, you're going to test (laughs) the tagline for the NCA. Um, Our focus is um, uh, disrupting... um, serious organized crime and uh you know protecting and um safeguarding the public from the kind of kind of threats that police forces aren't able to do okay so it's more it's international and cross-border and that sort of stuff yeah so anything if you the easiest way to explain it is if you had anything in a police force that went across the border or was just too big for a police force to manage then it would be dealt with by um, the NCA. Um, likewise, if it's something that, you know, drug smuggling that's going into various different countries, then that's where we can come into play because we can deal with international crime. Brilliant. And um, the application itself mm-hmm. and putting yourself through that process, how was that and what did you have to do? Um, so a while ago now, but um, so it was an online application um, of various, I think they were quite odd questions at the time, I think. So application online, um, and if you got through that initial application process, there were a series of online tests, including uh, verbal reasoning and non-verbal reasoning, which were really hard, um, and then through to interview. So the interview itself, mm-hmm. talk us through that, how was that? Um, I know it's a while ago as well, but can you remember the sort of stuff they were asking? And uh... obviously, obviously went really, really well. Obviously, I... yeah. <laughs> no, I think it was it was um, it was the same as any interview. If you were looking at um, transferring from police force to police force, it was that sort of style. So, um, you know, questions around um, crime investigation, your skills, your considerations, and, and you know what toolkit you would use. So it was very much, and because I was looking into the operational role, which is, um, you know, very much what um, DCs do, um, it wasn't it wasn't too much of a hideous interview to go through. It was mm. it was, I wouldn't say easy, but I had enough evidence from my my work within the force to be able to provide answers. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. But the um, the actual application process has changed more recently, obviously, that you were saying just before we hit record that the process has changed. So could you know a little bit about that and you're able to tell us a bit more about how things have changed? Yes. Um, so I think I've become an expert in this because my team's currently recruiting for four positions, so I've had quite a lot of input. Um, so it's all run by the government recruitment scheme. Um, so via the civil service website, uh, it's online application, 
and you have to uh, provide evidence of um, the civil service behaviours, of which there are nine, um, and the kind of behaviours that uh, police officers would be evidencing all the time in their PDS or PDR, whatever they're, they're called in each force. Um, and then you have a couple of technical criterias which you would have to provide evidence for, and those can be wide-ranging depending on the role you're going for. So, um, you know, ex proven experience of working within UK um, law enforcement could be one of your technicals. So it can be very straightforward. Um, so you, you put your papers in, um, it gets sifted either by uh, GRS, depending on how huge the campaign is, or um, it goes to the team directly to complete the paper sift. And what's GRS, Louis? Sorry to butt in. What's GRS? No, no. Um, the Government Recruitment Scheme. Mm -hmm. So they sort of almost deal with all of the admin sort of type of things. Um, and, yeah, so if, if a campaign has 2,000 applicants, um, which has happened not that long ago, um, they would then do the uh, the sifting of the paper papers because okay. obviously it's, it's too big for um, any team to then manage. Um, so yeah, if you if you're successful in the um, in that paper sift, then it depends on the role you're going for. Some of them would just go you'd go straight to interview, and other ones you would have to do um, either an online assessment prior or um, an assessment uh, in person prior to your interview. Okay. Um, and in terms of mapping the skills and experience across, um, in fact, if we just go back just a, just a second, what I didn't ask was what role it was that you actually originally applied for. Um, so I applied for um, operations officer, um, and that is very much um, what your average DC would be doing um, if they were in, um, you know, a, a drugs team or um, uh, sort of financial crime. It'd be those sorts of investigations, um, along with the bigger sort of uh, human trafficking, modern slavery, um, CSEA uh, side of things. Mm -hmm. So, um, and surveillance as well. Okay. So that was a role that you'd applied for, and of your background was was predominantly uniform policing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you map your skills and experience across so that when they're looking at the application form, and, and obviously you did your online process, but for those that might be applying now for these roles that you're advertising, for example, mm. how would people go about mapping across the skills and experience that they've got to make sure that it fits the roles that, that you're advertising? Um, I See, I was really lucky in my interview in that um, I had a, a, a chap there prior who went through a skills list and essentially ticked off everything that you did as a police officer. So all of your um, MVQs, which is your you know your initial grounding into investigation. Um, so you and for CID, anyone who's got their PIP two accreditation as well, um, and then I mean. It was different then, but for, for people applying now, uh, it would be a case of looking what the civil service behaviours are, pulling out the salient points um, and just always providing an example. So if the behaviour, you know, if someone says, you know, give me an example of when you have worked with law enforcement, there's no point in saying 
you know, I've, I've had 15 years experience in this area. You actually need to give the answer. You need to give an example, which seems really bizarre at the time, but you need to give an example and you need to follow that star format yeah. situation, task, action, result. Right. Um, but you can pretty much mould anything you do to fit the criteria. And are you looking for people predominantly with, um, when I say you, I, I, either for these the roles that you're at, but yeah, the NCA, but, and obviously for the roles that you're advertising as well, would they generally be pit too as well, or can, can uniform cops apply? Um, no. So um, the team that I manage, um, apart from a retired police officer, um, I'm the only person who holds uh, the PIP2 accreditation. So my team do not need it. Um, operational officers in the investigations department would either um, need to have PIP2 or be able to evidence it so they could get uh, grandparent rights. Um, or you can go on, and I have to get the right um, phrasing, the IOTP scheme which I can't for the life of me remember what it stands for, um, but it's essentially a fast-track two-year um, programme where you come in with possibly no law enforcement experience and you get sort of taken through and you do your um, DC exams during that period as well mm. and you sort of get yourself upskilled to gain your PIP2. So if, if you're interested in... Um, investigations but you don't hold that accreditation you could still apply and um be taken through the training course that's really interesting the um and how nca is set up in terms of the types of roles that you might be able to go for um i've, I've helped a few people get in there and the predominantly for investigative roles what else have they got um on top of those investigation roles oh how, goodness. how is it how is it sort of structured so i'm just trying to think that if it if this if the nca is something that a lot of people might be interested in um either mid-service on retirement and the types of roles that might be open to them oh goodness there's so many um so if you just look at sort of operational investigation side of things you have um the I don't want to say generic because it's not, but it's sort of like the the non-specialised investigations which um, will look at um, all of those sorts of crimes, you know, uh, financial crime, drug smuggling and so forth. And then you have little niche areas. So you then have, um, you've got uh, an expert evidence team. There's uh, the uh, vulnerable persons team who deals just with, interviewing victims and witnesses you have um uh, financial investigation teams um units like mine the uk missing persons unit um so those are just a few that are within investigations and then on the other side you have intel um which is massive and have so many acronyms I can't remember any of them um, but within Intel there are so many different units to do with um, cybercrime, digital, um, it's just huge and the Intel side also deal with quite a lot of international crime. Mm. Um, so you have those units and then if you have worked in either of those, the chances are that you um, would then have the skill set to apply for um, 
the really exciting jobs of international liaison officers. So we have posts globally. Um, so you can apply for those sorts of roles if um, if that's what you're looking for. Um, and then, you know, we have all sorts of things from, you know, HR, recruitment, resources. Um, there's the serious crime analysis, SCAS, serious crime anal- analysis. Yeah, um, get my teeth in. Um, so, if it, I mean, I assume that people who listen to this podcast have got law enforcement in their background yeah predominantly yeah Yeah. so if you have that then you have a foot in the door to a huge proportion of roles but as soon as you've got in and um you know you spend you know your year's probation um in that that role that you've applied for then the world very much is your oyster Mm -hmm. Uh, something i'm sorry go on you go no 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 go go I was just to say the something I see quite regularly because I, I punt them out quite a lot in the in the uh, Facebook group. Um, you've also got armed and unarmed surveillance teams as well, and there's some really good managerial roles as well that that come up as well. And obviously, we'll talk about yours in a second as well. But um, that's really helpful. Thank you for that. Um, if we just go back to your story a little bit, just for a second, because I'm really mm-hmm. interested in um, you know how it felt when you and I ask most people this, but how it felt when you actually handed your resignation in and. And we'll talk a little bit about your transition into into the new role. Um, handing my resignation in, I was I was actually really excited. Um, I I felt a lot of negativity in terms of there was no push for people to achieve their goals. I, you know, I'd, I'd expressed the interest in going to CID and. Um, believed that I had the the skill set and the ability um, that wasn't nurtured in any way, shape, or form. Or um, so I was excited, and um, I really looked forward to a new challenge. That being said, within oh, maybe the first week of being within soccer, I missed uh, the team and. I missed the rush. Mm. So that adrenaline hit, which I still miss. If you, you know, when you're going out on a, on a blues and twos, that adrenaline hit has suddenly gone. Um, I miss that eight years later. If a police car goes zooming past, there is that little pang of, oh, that was so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. I can totally understand that. And so um, your first transition so that that role that you went to the ops role that you went to um and transitioning into that particular role having left the police obviously you're saying you don't get that that buzz you don't get the uh, the adrenaline rush i mean the nearest i get to it now pre <laughs> pre-covid was if there was no no queue for the coffee that was that was about <laughs> as that's that's where my adrenaline rush is now you know so um but yeah so that that first little while that first year or so um, transitioning across into this new role because that can be quite challenging sometimes. How was that for you? Um, it was good. I mean, I was I was very lucky in that, um, unbeknownst to me, I went into uh, an office where there were actually quite a lot of um, ex-police officers from the same force that I'd been in. So although I didn't know them directly, we knew the same people. Um, so that made it a lot easier. And also that first sort of year when you're um getting signed off on all of your skills and abilities you just don't you don't ever stop you're in and out of the door all the time 
because the NCA works throughout um, uh, the UK, you are out helping police forces all over the country. So you can get your, um, you know, your, your, your various bits and bobs signed off. So it was just, it was, it was nonstop and it was eye-opening and uh, you suddenly realise actually how massive the organisation was. That's great. That's really exciting. The um, and what are you doing now? So your your role now is is ops manager in charge of UK missing persons. Have I got mm-hmm. that exactly right? Yeah. So that's, you, could you tell us a bit more about that? And and the did you interview for that? How did that yes. Work? Okay. Because yeah. we'll talk about opportunities in a minute as well. So, um, so yeah. So t- tell us a little bit more about that particular role. Um. So I kind of. <sighs> I almost fell into it. So um, after being on operations, I uh, left to join the vulnerable persons team. And after a few years at that, I knew that I wanted to go for promotion. Um, And there was a temporary promotion uh, within the missing persons unit. So I thought, it it was it was six months, I think. I thought, I'll I'll give it a go. If If I apply and I'm successful, great. So I did and I was and I spent six months on the team and enjoyed the transition from um, a grade five, so sort of PCDC to a grade four, which is sergeant level. Really enjoyed that transition. And um, during that time, it became clear that the manager of the unit was going to be retiring. And I just thought I've got absolutely nothing to lose by putting an application in and if I put my application in and it doesn't go anywhere, then people will know that that's, you know, that's what I'm aspiring to. Mm. So, um, yeah, put my application in and thought I'd get weeded out at the first sift because I, I knew the calibre of people that were applying and the level of experience that they had. Um, and, yeah, didn't get through the first sift. Oh, did get through the first sift and was told you've got to interview and, yeah. Had the most awful interview of my life. But. Really? <laughs> and was that competency-based as well? Is that, you know, they, they want star format? And can you give us an example of when you've done X, Y, Z, that sort of thing? Yes, yes. Okay. It is all, it is all, um, although you know, everything's behaviours, it is competency-based. Okay. That's really interesting to know. Um, and how would that expand for you, though? So this particular role, what exactly will it involve and... and um, you know, what is it doing specifically? Obviously, sort of the UK missing persons, but what does that mean? Yeah, so um, I'm going to sell my unit here. Yeah, go uh, for it. So the UK missing persons unit hold the national picture for missing persons. We hold a database called Hermes, wherein um, police forces uh, are meant to send in the details of their missing person cases after they are 72 hours old. So um, after 72 hours, via the magic of automation and IT, we get all of their cases come in. And then my team look at those cases and see what added value we can give to the the investigation teams within police forces. Um, High risk cases, quite often police forces come into us straight away and ask for what assistance we can give. Um, And then my team just look at cases and see um, what we can do to assist and if it looks like a case um if it just you know you get the feeling if something's just not quite right then we can refer it on to um 
more specialist units within the NCA. So we've got the National Missing Persons Advisor who deals specifically with suspicious missing cases. Um, so we can link into those. And um, yeah, for anyone who's running a police force at the moment, who's listening, if, if there's jobs that you need doing for missing person investigations, quite often we can we can assist with those. <laughs> You're going to regret saying that potentially, but there you go. We'll see. Um, that's really good. Thank you for that. That's really helpful. I know. Um, so if anyone is actually wanting to apply for roles at, um, you know, the NCA, how would they go about doing it? Um, it is all on the civil service website. So uh, you go for their uh, job search and you put in your criteria. So if you're looking specifically for the NCA, you'd put the NCA in and you can choose location. Um, you can choose the salary banding, which will obviously filter out um, certain roles um, and look at the application pack and take it from there. I mean, the application packs are lengthy. Mm. They're about 15 pages long. So there's a lot of information in there. Mm. I've also heard, um, as we were saying a bit earlier, um, just prior to hitting record that they can take quite a long time from acceptance through to actually starting your job, can't it? Yes, it is um, something that I think gets brought up time and time again at various events to the senior leadership team. And they are certainly trying to address it. Um, I think the problem is, is that we, we are just constantly recruiting huge, huge numbers of people and then aren't necessarily having the same um, sort of support within resourcing to be able to facilitate those huge numbers of staff coming in because it's not just all your normal background checks that you'd have done when you join the police for a lot of roles mm. um there's developed vetting as well which is a precursor to you getting the role mm. and that unfortunately yeah, takes that takes time it does take such, such a long time to do so yeah but you know i have those 12 months or so for for some applications but you know these things do take time so yeah you know for anyone listening if you are looking and this is something that interests you then get your application in early really if you've got a retirement date or something coming up or you know yeah plan ahead, plan ahead or mm -hmm. if you see a role and you think I might be interested there's no harm in applying and if you're successful and it takes a year by that point you might be ready for the role or you might have decided actually it's really not for me I, mm -hmm. it's always better to apply and then be able to withdraw than to regret not putting your papers in absolutely right um pay conditions and opportunities if we can just touch on that for a second. So pay, not quite as good as as, um, as the police service, but how does it trans... How's it, I'm trying to think of the word transmit. I was going to say it's definitely not the right word. How does it, how does it match? Um, <laughs> With a simple word. Oh, my poor brain. So uh, the pay is a really contentious issue. Um, and... The NCA has certainly had issues in the past with recruiting people because the pay has not been sufficient enough. So certain roles they have brought in um, something called a spot rate, which um, more or less will match um, police officers' pay grades, more or less. It is is usually slightly on the less side, but then your con your pension contributions are significantly less. Mm -hmm. So, you know, your, your, your pay packet at the end of the month isn't too dissimilar. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so if you're going for a spot rate role, then you're probably not going to see too much difference. If you go for a role that's not spot rated, um, then the, the pay is is quite a bit less than the, than the police service. But the flip side is you're not working shifts. You're working very much, um, you know, majority of roles are Monday to Friday. You know, there's there's it's swings and roundabouts are pros and cons to it all. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know they've got a decent annual leave package and um, benefits as well and and um, and welfare and things like that. I know they're very civil service, they're very hot on that sort of thing. Yeah, well, so, so. Um, the, the holiday, I think, is if you're full-time, 31 days a year plus your eight bank holidays, which is very healthy. Um, there is a, there's a huge huge focus on well-being and welfare and um, supporting staff and recognizing talent and encouraging that talent as well so that was that's perfect segue because i've got to ask about opportunities and and how that um you know what sort of things can lead what can you lead on to basically once you apply how do things progress it's really sort of i think it's quite difficult once you're in either um investigations or intelligence it is very difficult then to see a way out of it and that's not necessarily a negative thing it's just that's what's always driven you so you tend to always go towards those sorts of roles um and the the jobs are there and the support is there if you are if you're aspiring to be promoted there's always encouragement there and advice to be sought. So when I was sort of thinking that I wanted promotion, um, I approached our DD just for a one-to-one chat um, about any ideas or um, you know picking his his brains about what he did because he'd sort of flown up through the ranks as well. Um, so the support is always there mm. and encouraged. Um, but it's the same. It's the same with any role. Sort of, if you're incredibly flexible and are happy to move wherever the jobs are, there's this, you know, this huge number of jobs in London and in um, the northwest. Um, but the 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 geography of the NCA is changing, so that you know we're, we're developing uh, regional hubs. So it's going to change again in the not too distant future. Do you know what they're going to look like. Um, I think the plan at the moment is is to have uh, five regional hubs, um, and that's probably about all I could say, really. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, yeah, cause obviously you can't tell me where they are. They're here. Yeah. <laughs> Louise, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. There's there's loads of great information there, and um, and I think the beauty of the NCA, as you did as well, you know, you left mid service. And it's still, although it doesn't give you that buzz of the blues and twos, it's still, you know, it still drives you, you're still clearly enjoying what you're doing. You're able to progress as well. I know, um, you know, there's a lot of cops on retirement tend to head that way sometimes as well, because it's a fairly straightforward transition. And if you plan ahead, it, it can work out quite well for you, I think. But, um, you know, clearly there's some great opportunities, um, you know, within the NCA. Yeah, there are great. And, Anyone who's thinking it who is mid-service, it is terrifying to think about leaving it. And I think police officers get that mindset of, 
I cannot do anything else. This is all I've been trained to do. And actually you can, and um, there are so many benefits for, uh, but I think there are many benefits for leaving. It's benefited my career and it's benefited for me um, sort of home life as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Great interview. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I really hope you enjoyed that interview. Massive thanks to Louise for her time and just for giving so much information so freely. Now, if the NCA is something that interests you, then for obvious reasons, I haven't plastered Louise's name all over the show notes. Uh, so if the NCA is something that interests you, then then please contact me on andyatbluelightleavers.com and I can put you in touch with Louise or a handful of other people that I know uh, within the NCA that um, are also in the Blue Light Leavers Facebook group as well. And if you like what you've heard, then please click five stars and hit subscribe and share it with your friends. Let people know that this is out there. Um, you know, the feedback I get from people that have listened to it is really incredible. And, uh, you know, I just want to help people and get this message out. Um, you can also go to the Blue Light Leavers um, website, which is www.bluelightleavers.com. Loads of information there to help support you. And um, I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Bye bye for now.